You're listening to The Mom Inspired Show, episode 73 with Mary Flo Ridley. When they grow up in your family, how do you hope they see sex? How will they process the idea of sex as a result of growing up in your family? And so sometimes I think we just leave that to the culture or leave that to the schools or leave that to the church or some other institution when our children will really be looking to us. Welcome to the Mom Inspired Show. I'm your host, Amber Sandberg, and this show is created to inspire, encourage, and add a little extra fun to your day. Mary Flo, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you, Amber. I'm glad to be here. So I like to start off every show with an icebreaker. I love to travel, (laughs) and I really want to inspire other moms to travel. So I love asking people where their favorite vacation spot is and why, and this can be with or without kids. Oh, I love that because I love to travel. Like having a ticket in my pocket is (laughs) my idea of a good thing. Um, But I would say that I like to, I live in a big city. I live in Dallas. So I enjoy going someplace a little more rustic. My dream spot is where I vacationed as a child, which is Whitefish, Montana, right outside of Glacier National Park. And I would pick Glacier as the best national park. So tell us a little bit about that, because I, I know nothing about that area. Well, it's in the northwest part of Montana, and uh, Whitefish is just 50 miles south of the Canadian border. Um, uh, Glacier is, in, is a n- national park that is also a national park in Canada. So as you drive through the park, you cross the Canadian border, and it's so pristine, so beautiful, so untouched. And uh, even though Yellowstone is not that far, it's in Wyoming, it's not that far away, it's pretty crowded and a little more touristy. So if you really want to see the um, upper Northwest, I would go up into Northwest Montana and go to Glacier. You'll, oh, you'll, that sounds awesome. It, it's not easy to get to. Like you have okay. to fly, fly into Kalispell, oh. which is a little town up there too, mm-hmm. where my grandmother grew up. And, or you can like take Southwest Airlines to Spokane and then drive across Idaho and get there. Okay. So that's it's cool. Yeah. Not an, not an easy place to get to, but it's worth it. Oh, that sounds beautiful. Um, yeah, definitely. I don't know much about that area, so I'm glad that you brought that up. But um, I wanted to say before we jump into you introducing yourself, I'm, I'm so excited to have you on the show because we had Megan from Birds and the Bees on the show earlier, which was episode 30. So you guys, if you haven't heard the first episode of Birds and the Bees, um, go and check out episode 30. And then I feel like this will be a great show um, as a supplement to that. And the listeners just loved Megan talking about the Birds and the Bees. So this is why I reached out to you since you guys are partners um, with the Birds and Bees. And I thought it'd be great to have you on since you started Birds and Bees. And you you go around the country speaking. And I felt like the listeners needed a little bit more on the topic. And I also feel like this episode, um, like I mentioned before, is a great supplement to the initial show. And this will be geared toward parents with slightly older kids and how to pick up the conversation from where those parents are. So Mary Flo, how about you share with us a little bit more about who you are? Um, you said you're from Dallas. And how ma- so how many kids do you have and how you got to where you are today with all of this? Well, um, 
Dave and I have been married 37 years, and we have three grown children, and they're all married, and we have six grandchildren. So in 1986, um, I was a stay-at-home mom, but I was in a volunteer position with the Dallas Junior League, and I was doing some training with them, and they, uh, the year that we were, the part of the year that we were picking our topics, the topic came up as a suggestion that we teach parents how to talk to their kids about sex. And I just laughed out loud when that suggestion was read because I thought I could never do that. That would be the last topic I could ever do because I grew up in a wonderful family in Texas, but we never talked about sex. The, the topic never, ever came up. If, if it rhymed with sex, my parents would not have said the word. So um, we, I didn't know anything about what that would look like. And I had a four-year-old and a one-year-old at the time. But anyway, um, Somehow it's it still landed on my head, and I I got that assignment. So I I ended up doing a lot of research and thought about it, and uh, the surprise of my research was that, or the, really the conclusion of my research was that we start the conversations too late. That bringing up the topic and calling it the talk, meaning this will be one conversation, um, is having one awkward conversation at one really awkward age. And that the topic actually begins in earlier ages. When a child says, where do babies come from? And how's that baby getting out of there? And how did that baby get in there? And why does my body look like this? And my body and your body looks like that. That's when they're curious. They have this innate curiosity about life and the design of it all. And that's when we can start answering their very basic primary questions. <laughs> and so uh, it was exciting to sort of discover that we could actually introduce this this topic at an age appropriate way and that's where we that's where we started but because i was going to be presenting this material to a to a diverse group of people um i'm i'm a believer i'm a person of faith and i would in talking to my children want to incorporate my faith but i was going to be speaking to a group that that was not necessarily their priority so one of the interesting parts about the birds and the bees is that we start out with each family designing their own message. So um, if you're a conservative or a liberal or a person of faith or not, you can appropriate this information to your family values. So um, the first step in the birds and the bees is deciding what your beliefs, your closely held values are and putting that in what we call your message. So that's that's. Um, the key and the first step to the birds and the bees. So you start with your core beliefs and then you move out from there to considering um, how you're going to explain birth and reproduction and vocabulary and conception. And that's not really talking about me. I'm kind of going over the first steps again, but um, <laughs> yeah, just more about yeah how you got yes. to where you are today. But yeah, so that's, that's mm -hmm. how it all got formulated. So um, then about two years ago, um, Megan came along as kind of an intern, and she is dynamite. She is a wonderful young mom. So we have a team of a grandmother and a young mother, and we feel like we kind of get the whole gamut of uh, of questions out there. Yeah, no, I, and, and she is great. And so, and I do think that there is... Um something to be said to having someone as a young mother. And like you said, you're a grandmother. So I think that's that yeah, you guys make a great duo. Um, if you wanted to finish the thought that you were saying, or 
if you want me to jump into a question, it's up to you. Cause I, I, I knew that you wanted, um, you wanted to probably finish that thought. Did you want to go back a little bit or <laughs> <laughs> I just suddenly realized I launched. <laughs> That's but, okay. Um, no, but so that is our family. We live in, uh, so now, um, we live in Dallas, Texas, but our children are spread out over the country. And, um, we just feel like this is a, this is a revolution <laughs> is what Megan and I are calling it. We're really trying to revolutionize yeah. the talk and we want families to engage in this conversation in these conversations, not in just one conversation. And so even though it starts with younger children, obviously those children grow up and, um, and sometimes parents haven't started when they're young. So they want to know, well, how do I start now if I haven't started when they were young? Well, and that kind of leads me into my first question. So um, you know, if we have kids that are elementary age instead of preschool age or younger, where that's what we were talking about with Megan, and we have not broached the subject yet, what would you recommend to us? Well, um, for one thing, I think you can ask your children if if there are things that they already know. For example, you can say, um, to set up a situation where maybe you and your kids take a meal to a family that has just had a baby. And then as you leave, if you've never explained birth before to them, to say, you know, have you ever wondered exactly how that baby got out of there? Because, you know, last week, Mrs. Owens was had that baby inside of her, and this week, the baby's out. Do you Have you ever wondered how that happens? And usually they have wondered, but sometimes it hasn't come up because they've never asked any questions. And so, but that doesn't mean they haven't been curious. So just even that simple phrase of, have you ever wondered? And then if they know about birth, just say, have you ever wondered how that baby got in there? So that you can, you know, start with their, uh, their natural curiosity and just giving it, giving it um, an open door to have that conversation. Uh, so just starting maybe with an episode, I would say when I say an episode of, of creating a situation where it's a natural conversation. I don't think it's a good idea just to put them across from you at the breakfast table and say, okay, we've never talked about sex, but this is the day, you know. Right. That's, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's kind of awkward. So, um, but the the first step it will still be before you have this conversation with your child. The first step for you will still be to go back and create that message, because what we want in the birds and the bees strategy is for your conversations to have purpose, for there to be an end game. Like, where do you hope your children? Where do you hope these conversations take you? What are your hopes and expectations for your children? How do you hope when they grow up in your family, how do you hope they see sex? How will they process the idea of sex as a result of growing up in your family? Mm. And so sometimes I think we just leave that to the culture or leave that to the schools or leave that to the church or some other institution when our children will really be looking to us because of of the confusion of the culture, they they do need um, a grown up in the room who can help them navigate all of this. So before you even start one conversation, no matter how old your children are, I would go back and review in the birds and the bees workbook or in the birds and the bees videos. How do I formulate the message that reflects my values? Yeah, I like that, and um, I because I do feel like uh, letting it just go to the culture and letting them just, you know, share the message. It's most likely not going to be what you are wanting uh, your kids to be thinking about. 
sex and all that kind of stuff. So I feel like a lot of parents just want to have their head in the sand and just kind of like hope for the best, but <laughs> it, it, it's not going to work that way. Not, not probably what you want it to be. Right. And it's not necessarily going to turn out the way you want it to be, even if you do have conversations with them, but it's, but the culture is so profoundly pervasive on this. Like every single thing that they see or hear kind of has a connotation of sexuality to it. There are so many, um, you, you go into the news or you go into entertainment or you're just living in the world, you're getting a thousand messages about sex that are going straight to your kids. And so we've got to find our voices. They've got to at least hear our voice on this. And so we've got to just, you know, get there. <laughs> but I, that's where I think the birds and bees comes in. We, we're going to help you get there, help you figure out how to have these simple conversations. Yeah. So if, if, if people didn't listen to uh, the episode with Megan yet, um, and your child has not asked any questions, what age do you recommend that you need to bring it up if they have not asked yet? Well, that's pretty tricky because um, if they haven't asked yet, and they're 10, let's say they're 10, the chances are they have heard multiple things or seen multiple things or um, things may have been suggested to them. So you you almost want to realize that you're not dealing with just a blank page here. So um, you can bring it up by either something comes up in your family, in the news, in the neighborhood, where you can say, uh, how do you feel about that? This this uh, a situation came up at your school of someone sexting, you know, sending a photograph. How do you feel about that? Let's start talking about that. Another way that I think is a great way to, to start out in, to be a little more proactive instead of just reacting to something that's happened in the news or at school is to just own up to it. Just to say, you know what, sweetheart? There is a topic that I've avoided <laughs> because it's awkward and it's difficult and it's challenging. But you know what? In our family, I want to be able to do some of the hard things. And and so I'm going to just tell you that we're going to start having some conversations around the subject of sex. And we have never talked about it before. But over the next six weeks, we're going to talk about it twice a week. <laughs> we're going to wash dishes on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And that's when we're going to talk about it. Or we're going to take a walk. Or we're going to, you know, find something. We're going to fold clothes every Tuesday and Thursday. And as we're folding clothes, I want you to bring two questions and I'm going to bring two answers. And we're just going to start the conversation. Now, if your child is like throwing up over this and can't, that's not going to work. Find a form of communication that you can to say, maybe buy a little journal and say, we're going to start talking about this, but I know how awkward it is at first. So let's just start out. I'm going to give you this journal. And you can write some questions and I'm going to write some thoughts and we'll share it back and forth. And then we'll get to the point where we can talk. But know your child, know their form of communication. Try to own up to the awkwardness, admit the awkwardness, say, you know, this is difficult for mommy. This is difficult for mom and dad to even talk about it with each other. It's just the name of the game. And talking about this topic, that's the way it is. But we're going to get over it because it's too important to avoid it. Yeah. Well, and, you know, speaking of awkwardness, um, this question popped up in my mind is what if parents, um, you know, what should they do if they're being asked about their own sex life? So I would imagine these are a little bit older kids, you know, that can I understand, you know, I feel like 
you know, moms are cringing right now, like, ah, uh, you know, like, that's the right. last thing you want to talk about. But what if they bring it up? What What do you what would you recommend to everyone to how to broach that topic? Sometimes that can be what paralyzes parents from ever even bringing the subject up. And I, I do want to reassure parents that children, when they're little, when they're young, and they're saying, Mommy, how did that baby get in there? They are not, you know, if this is your five-year-old, your four-year-old, if you can answer that question with the basic biology, and and I really do encourage you to go to birds and bees to see how, but you can answer that question. And it is a very simple process. But when they get older, when they get to that preteen age, when they start to develop um, and going through puberty, then it's going to dawn on them that their parent has gone through this process as well. And as their hormones are changing, then they're realizing that maybe their parents have experienced some of the awakening that they are experiencing as well. And so did they um, wait till marriage? Did they not? How did they handle the pressure? How did they handle the temptations or the, you know, the desires? And so they will, if you have conversations with your children, they may say, so how did you handle this? And just the thought of that conversation can be paralyzing for parents. So first of all, I understand that. And so think about it. Think about how you're going to answer that. Um, and also know that this is the main idea of this conversation is really not about you but about or and your past, but about your children and their future. And so I think you can admit to some struggles. And you can even say, you know, I was not super successful at this, if that was your experience. Of course, this is going to vary from person to person. But to say, I think what you want them to hear is your heart. And to say, I had some experiences that I have some baggage with or some regrets, or I, if I were to go back, I might do it differently now. But what I want you to understand is that this is was intended to be for marriage, if that is your message, or that this is not a um, consumer item, you know, and right. I didn't understand that growing up, or that this is not something you give into because of pressure. This is this is you know. So once again, I it's a hard thing for me to answer because I would answer from my message of faith. And someone else might have another message. Sure. And so it's, it's birds and bees is not cookie cutter, but it is guiding you into, you know, out of your values into these conversations. So it's something it's worth thinking about. How will I answer that? <laughs> how, what, how am I going to um, approach that conversation so that it benefits my child? Yeah, and, I, I agree. And mm-hmm. and laying uh, laying a lot of details on them doesn't benefit them. So you can l- let them know, give them a picture of your past that there's a window into the reason why you have understanding about this topic. And that can either be a, a place of pain or it can be a place of of success. Maybe this was something that you successfully navigated and you can give them some really good advice, but you can say, but here's where it was hard. Like the hard part was waiting. And, and then after waiting, the hard part was adjusting uh, to, you know, to, um, um, figuring this out, you know, or the, the problem that I had anyway, they don't need the bottom line is 
they don't need details, but they need to hear your heart. Yeah, I think that's a great answer. And um, hopefully that will help, uh, you know, some moms out there, because I'm sure this question has been asked and people kind of just feel paralyzed. So to kind of think about that ahead of time, to know what you would want to say, you know, if your kids do ask this. And um, you were talking about, uh, you mentioned the word pervasive, and this leads me into my next question. And it's a little taboo, and but I know moms um, are dealing with this and or they're worried about this topic, and that's about pornography. And, um, you know, they have boys, and, and I don't want to just, you know, just focus on the boys. Obviously, you know, women and girls look at p- pornography too, but I do feel like I hear it more from moms of boys. Um, so this can apply to both boys and girls. Um, but they're, they're concerned, you know, it's, it's, it's like, when do you start talking about that? Cause there's a part of it where you're like, well, I don't want to bring it up. Right. Cause then is that going to make them think, oh, well, what is this? And let me go check it out. But then you don't want to assume they're not exposed to it and never talk about it. And I just feel like it is pervasive and it's, and you know, it's so easy to get to, especially with all the phones and the computers and stuff like that. So I would love to hear your thoughts on that and any guidance you may have um, with just kind of helping the moms out there that are just like, okay, mm-hmm. so I have eight-year-old, nine-year-old, 10-year-old boys. I think this is going to be coming down the pipeline. I have no idea what to say or do or to how to bring up this topic. Well, I, I will say that this, uh, that pornography is just the jet fuel to what is kind of a confusing and what I would say degrading um, message in our culture about sex. And so this is, this is really strong on my heart. I I feel very strongly about what the, the toxic effect that pornography is having, not just on those who are um, taking it in, but really on the whole culture. And um, so anyway, I'm very opinionated about that. Um, But it also has an addictive nature to it, a strongly addictive nature to it. Um, Participating in pornography is um, if you go on college campuses today and talk to campus ministers, they would say that is the main thing that young people, and it isn't just guys, uh, right. That young mm-hmm. people are dealing with, they are dealing with porn addiction in a very powerful way. When um, my children were younger, um, por- they ha- you had to go out and find porn, and there were many steps that you had to take. But if you wanted to find it, it was not difficult. Now, porn will find you. It is coming after you. It is hidden in video games. It is hidden in you know, just making one mistake on a keyboard uh, of um, trying to, you're not even looking for porn, but it's looking for you is basically what I would say. So warning your children or making your children aware of pornography is so tricky because you've now, instead of it being a teenage thing or even a preteen thing, it has come into the realm of children. And so um, how do we do that? How do we warn our children without exposing them? We, you know, it's just, it is very tricky, but, um, if they have access to an iPad and I would say that's 99.9% of Westernized children, children, even I, I spoke in Cambodia last year and here's a heartbreaking fact, the, te- the phones, the iPhones or the, you know, just the 
uh, cell phones mm-hmm. over there co- come preloaded with pornography. What? Oh my gosh. So wait, is it just like an app or something or like, oh, yeah. you-, <gasps> you know, like you get your phone and it has apps already on it Oh my and there gosh. are, there are preloaded <gasps> porn apps. So that's coming down. Oh the my gosh. That is so, so there's awful. No, it is so awful. Oh my it's dark. It's just very dark. And so, um, what I want you to picture, I guess, as a parent is just dropping your child off in a dark, scary neighborhood and leaving them there. You would never do that. And yet, when you hand them your phone, there are doors into that dark, scary neighborhood on that phone. And it does, it looks pretty. It looks like candy. It looks, you know, it looks like touch, you know, do you want more clues to this, (laughs) to solve this game? And they click it and they, they're into porn and they didn't oh look gosh. for it, but it came after them. And so I'm sorry to be frightening mothers out there, but that's the reality. There is, um, um, I, I, I'm jumping ahead of myself, but I just want to be sure that I get this to you. There's a great website out there called Fighting the New Drug. And you just look up Fighting the New Drug and it's about how to fight pornography and so it's for people that are into porn and want to get out. And it's for, it gives a lot of helps for parents also. But as I've wondered about this, like how can a mother of a young child approach the subject without saying, oh, well, this is what you don't want to see and, you know, opening their eyes up to porn. And so this is an idea, but just take it where you will. But um, maybe there's a beautiful book that you really that you you and your children have enjoyed reading and love the pictures and love the story. It's a beautiful story with beautiful illustrations. Well, think about that book and go buy another one just like it. And take that book and get a Sharpie and mess it up. Damage it. Drive over it with your car. Have the dog poop on it. Just mess it up. Totally, um, totally devastate the look of the book and of the story. And then what I want you to do is show that book to your child and say, this, do you see this book? Do you recognize this book? Do you realize that this was, that, what, what if, you, you know, this is our favorite, one of our favorite stories. This has been an important book in our, in our family. We've loved this book. But seeing it this way, what if this is the first, what if this was your first impression of this book? What, what would it be? It would be scary. It wouldn't be the real story. Pages are missing here that we know are key parts of the story. So, what what if this was the first impression that you had of this book? And they would say it would be ugly, it would be bad, it would be scary, it would be awful. And to say, now there are pictures out there on the internet, pictures, movies, and stories that are trying to tell, give you an impression of sex that is scary and bad and ugly. And untrue. And I don't want you to, I don't want that to be your impression of sex. So if you accidentally come upon or if someone else leads you into a website and you will know it because there will probably be naked people and it will make it, this is true of just about every person. It'll give you a funny feeling inside. Like you will have this odd feeling. What I want you to do is walk away and come and tell me. You will not be in trouble for telling me, and I will help you process what you just saw. But if you, but 
what I want you to know is that this is out there and it can be damaging. Just like mommy and daddy tell you, do not drink poison. Like show them a bottle of poisoning. Do you see this skeleton with the crossbones on it? That means if you ingest it, it will do something terrible to your body and I have to call poison control. And we can fix it, maybe. <laughs> right. But but what this what this, which is called pornography, will do to your brain is the same thing. It will get in your brain and it is hard to get out. So we you need help and you need to come to me if you see it. So I don't know if that's helpful to you, but this is my advice for parents. I love it. No, and I really do love the idea about the really beautiful book and running over it and doing all that because it really gives everybody a visual um, to really get a grasp on how destructive this is because you can picture like you're picturing something, right? You're, you're, you're picturing the beautiful book and then you're running over it and then letting the dog poop on it and whatever, mm-hmm. and taking a Sharpie and you're just cringing, right? You're like, oh, like, I, I don't, this that's book not the story. And yeah. that's the thing is that yeah. we, we can tell our children really a wonderful story that is not, that is not the story of porn. This is, this is a bonding, um, nurturing, uh, one flesh experience that, that is, a blessing. It's a good thing. It is a great thing. And it should be experienced in a beautiful and great and bonding way. But it is not a commercial item that can be um, just viewed and experienced with it, it, giving your whole body without getting your giving your whole life is um, is separating what the intention was, what the design was. Right. Anyway, that's yeah. my opinion. I think that, no, 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 that's good. No, I <laughs> but, love it. I think that will help but, a lot of moms out there. Uh, but I think if we remember that we have a beautiful story to tell, then it's easier to contrast that with the story that is um, sadly being, you know, and I feel so sorry for the victims of pornography, for the, all of the, um, you know, just all of the ramifications of that. Yeah. Well, as we um, end, Mary Flo, since we're almost at the end of the show, um, do you have any words of encouragement for the single uh, parents out there? And it could be, I guess, moms or dads and that and their um, their children are the opposite sex. So, um, you know, and they're just trying or even, you know, uh, military moms that they're kind of holding down the fort, uh, mm. you know, while their husband is gone and stuff like that. And you know, they're just kind of like, I don't even know what to even say or whatnot. So do you have anything that you would recommend for them to make things a little bit easier having the opposite sex being the main parent? Well, if if you are, first of all, thank you for that question, because my heart does go out to um, military moms and dads and uh, those who are holding down the fort. We sure do thank you and we appreciate you and your devotion to um is just and your sacrifice is just as profound as your spouse's. So I appreciate that. Um, and um, I think you just need what what I would hope you would hear me say is that you have done this on many levels, and then tackling this subject seems like it's just going to push you over the edge. <laughs> like I've held down the the fort, and now I also have to talk about sex with my ten year old son. What am I? How do I do this? But I think. Cultivating a relationship with 
the child of the other sex. Like for me to have a really good relationship with my son and for dads to have a really good relationship with their daughters is, is crucial. Um, letting them know that just because I'm not a boy doesn't mean I don't understand what you're going through. But I also, I can help you understand how a girl thinks, which I bet that's kind of a mystery to you. So I'm a good resource for you <laughs> because even though I'm a mom, you know what? I used to be a girl and um, I can give you some insights into how they think, what they respect, what they're, you know, what's important to them. And you may not realize that. So um, I would say uh, just cultivating that really close relationship, being a good listener, uh, hear what their struggles are. Um, give them some time to to um, process some of the questions that you might have for them. Uh, but I also think finding someone that you highly respect that can walk alongside your sons or your daughters uh, during those preteen and teenage years is so helpful. Just look, be on the lookout for that person that you think is maybe younger than you. I know in high school um, we had some either young life or K life or you know, we had some people at our church that came alongside our sons and daughters and just, it was just fabulous because they would um, feel closer to their age, but someone that you could count on to give them good information. Um, but find someone also that is, if you are a single mom, a man that you respect, that you could have conversations that you would respect that the, the way they would handle this topic. Um, also just be aware of their body changes, be aware of their need for some privacy or some, you know, help them to navigate those times with just a little bit of tender care. I love that. I guess, yeah, no, that would ahead. be my, yeah. my biggest advice. No, I and, think that's and, great. And just acknowledge the awkwardness. Just say, is this not so weird? Like, this is so hard for us to talk about this. I had one mom of a 12 year old single mom her son would walk away, would not let her talk to him. And so, but he liked to play tennis. So she took him across town mm. to play tennis with him. And then they sat down and she sat opposite him. You know how on the tennis courts they have little benches, but right. she sat on the opposite side. So they were looking in two different directions. And she said, okay, you cannot walk away. We live too far from home. You can't drive yet. I'm going to talk to you for a few minutes about sex. And then we're going to play another set of tennis. And then after that, you have to ask me just one question. You just, we've got to start this conversation. Mm. So she talked to him. They played another set of tennis. They sat down. She went around the other side. She realized eyeball to eyeball was never going to cut it. And um, she waited, she said, maybe 20 minutes. But finally, he, she said, we're going nowhere until you ask me <laughs> one question. And so then she thought, well, what, now what are we going to do when we get home? They ended up he would sit on one side of the door and she would sit on the other. Mm, I love they that. Would just, they would just yeah. talk through the door. He just could not be in yeah. the same room with her. Right. And right. she was like, I get it. So just keep after it. <laughs> I think that's great. No, I do. And and kind of like what you were saying about the journaling, like some kids just want to write things down. You know, they don't want to verbalize it, not even about sex, just anything. They just do better writing. So I think that's great to know the personality of your kids and kind of adapt to that, to how to talk about it if they feel uncomfortable. So I think that is a great um, option. So that's really cool more. that you shared that. Yeah, go ahead. I know yeah. we don't really have time, but no, no, you're fine. Um, just thinking about these military families, there was a dad that had to spend a lot of time away from his daughters. 
And he was also kind of that strong, silent type. He just had a hard time talking to them. And But what he did was he bought them a beautiful box. And occasionally he would put a letter in there on this topic. He would say, this is a beautiful subject and this is a beautiful box. And I have things I want you to know, but I seem incapable of saying them, but I can write them. And so really think about the treasure that those girls had growing up, hearing their dad's voice through his letters, and that they could always go back to them because they were in the box. Yeah, I love it. Isn't that so beautiful? Yeah, that's so great. And that's such a good idea because I do feel like some people um, just do so much better um, just doing things over text, email, writing versus when they have to actually verbalize it and stand in front of somebody. It's just more intimidating. So again, exactly. Find a way, but there's not just one way to do it. Just exactly. Be persistent. Just find a way. Yeah. So as we wrap up, I really want, um, you know, to promote um, your business. And so um, I know you and Megan have so much to offer. So where can people find you on social media and your website and your programs? And what will they get if they buy your program? Okay. Um, Thank you for that, Amber. Okay. If you go to birds-bees.com and that's birds and then the hyphen, just the dash sign, birds-bees.com, you will find all of our products. Our products are a six-part video series and you can buy it to watch it individually. Or what we love, our favorite thing is called The Gathering. And what you do is you purchase The Gathering, but then you invite all your friends over. You know, you invite 10 couples or your five friends from your book club or your 20 in your small group or or whatever. And everybody pitches in and pays for it. So you, you're not out any money if everybody pitches in. And you watch it together and process it together. And then you have kind of a little group that you can talk about it with and you do it in community. That's what we love the best. Or you can purchase the videos for an organization like a Sunday school class or a, or a PTA or a MOPS group or something like that. So we have those three packages. Or uh, And we also have um, the Birds and the Bees workbook. And that's a workbook that is 70 pages long. It's um, really a way to take what you hear in the videos or from a live event and process it because we do feel like this is going to be different from family to family. This is not a cookie cutter kind of format. It's more like here's here's some suggestions, here's some sample conversations, here's here's the strategy, here are the six steps, but how are you going to actually bring it home? And so the workbook kind of delves into where are you, what's going on with you, and how can you manage this with your family? What's your child's learning style? What, you know, it asks just a lot of really good questions to help you process it. And then, um, that's what we have. We are on, uh, Facebook, the birds and the bees, and we are on, um, Instagram. We love our little Instagram and that's birds underscore bees. So Perfect. We'd love to hear from people. We love to talk to young moms, moms with young children. Um, ask your questions. Uh, just visit us on social media. Check out our website. We would love for you to be a part of our community. Awesome. Well, Mary Flo, thank you so much for coming on the show. I know that this show is going to be so beneficial for um, the moms out there. And so I really appreciate you coming on and just kind of sharing more of the stuff that um, is kind of the supplemental stuff of what Megan shared with us. Thank you, Amber. Thank you for all the work you do.
Hey, you guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, I just ask that you share this with your friends and family. And I will see you next week. 